Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport, and tonight we have a special treat for you folks. We're talking defense, little team defense, but mostly, mostly the beloved world of IDP, something near and dear to my heart. And in order to talk IDP, we had to get a very special guest. We had to get someone who knows the format as well as anyone. We had to hop into the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy Wayback Machine and go get Walton Sperlin. Mr. Sperlin, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. And it's it's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be able to come back to the uh, Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. Uh, now that you know, I had, uh, uh, of course, left. Fancy charts and not pro football focus, but so happy that you allowed me to be a guest on uh, a podcast that I, I was formerly on every week. And, and again, especially the IDP edition, that was always annually one of my favorite ones, uh, and, and obviously still is. And so you know, I'm so happy to get a chance to talk to who, somebody who I consider a mentor and one of the best in the business. And, uh, and the chance to talk IDP with Gary Davenport. You know, you don't say no. You, you say yes, or in my case, you, you beg to come on the show. So here we are. Oh, you're too kind, sir. And way to work that plug for the new site in quickly. I'm sure your new overlords would be quite pleased. You learned well, Padawan. Before oh, we jump in, oh. I want to get serious for just a moment. Obviously, I mean, I don't think anyone – that hasn't been in a cave for the last week is unaware of what's going on in Texas with Hurricane Harvey and the devastation that it's wrought, whether it's Houston or East Texas. The gentleman who gave me and Wally both our start with the show, Greg Kellogg, is from a little town in Texas that was hit, wasn't hit as bad by the flooding as some towns, but it was right in the path of Harvey when it was still a hurricane, so there's been a lot of wind damage there. And I just want to beseech, if whether you're listening to this live in the studio or you listen to it later this week in the archive, if it is all possible, give to the Red Cross, give to the Salvation Army. J.J. Watt has raised, I believe, $6 million in change, has raised the goal of his fundraiser up to $10 million. Give to that fundraiser. Just give whatever you can because the devastation is just unimaginable and we're talking tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people that have essentially lost everything they have, and they're going to need help to get back on their feet. So if you can, I would ask you to open your heart and your wallet and give whatever you can to whoever you want. Yeah, I, I completely um, second everything you say right there, and, and, and yeah, I appeal to people as well. If you've got yeah, a little, a lot, whatever these people need anything we can offer. And, you know, I just, just following it on the news. I mean, that's such a tragedy, but, but then you get to see the stories of the people making human chains to help people that are stuck in cars in the flood with the water too high and things like that. You know, you do get to see the best of people at the worst of times. And obviously this is the worst of times and, and it's, they need all. They need. They need our help, folks. So whatever, whatever we can give. Yeah, and I know it's too bad that sometimes it takes terrible things like this happening to really kind of bring out the best in us as a people, and to remind you that people, most people, the majority of people, are inherently good. But I mean, we'll get through it somehow. I mean, I, I don't really mean to see we because I'm in Ohio and. My lights didn't just wash down the road, but you know, we'd—I'd hate to say—we've been down this road before. Whether it was Hurricane Katrina or Superstorm Sandy, or you just hate to see it. And this one looks like it could be the biggest and baddest of them all. Maybe not. Maybe it didn't have the wind damage of Katrina or the storm surge of Sandy, but just the number of people that were affected—it's just—it's mind-boggling to watch on television 
seems a little hollow to switch from there to fantasy football, <laughs> but this is a fantasy football podcast. So what are you going to do? Before we dive into the defense, if there is one question I've been asked over and over and over and over again this week, and I'm sure I will right up through the weekend because we've got one big fantasy draft weekend left, it's what should I do about Ezekiel Elliott? I'm just going to throw it to you, Wally. What do you think people should do about Ezekiel Elliott? How do you see this whole situation playing out? Well, uh, I think, you know, obviously, you know, everything with this has been is a, a bit drawn out. You know, the amount of time it took the NFL to do their investigation, even though, were, you know, the, the police closed theirs. And now even the appeal is going to go what, on until tomorrow because there was a key witness that couldn't testify until Thursday. So nothing's really gone by the book and all these lines. I, I think his best case scenario is maybe they reduce it by a game. And, you know, and again, at first I also want to say, you know, it's, they you know, never lay hands on a woman. Nobody. I can't, I, I can't say that strongly enough. I'm not, I'm talking even let's not have women on women, but especially this. So obviously they found enough that there was something there, you know, with their investigation and they don't have to have criminal charges. That's, that was negotiated in the, in, the, in the contract. So, you know, Goodell can do this. But, you know, they were going to err on the side of being harsh. If people want to say this is harsh, and again, that's a matter of opinion. But, you know, after the Ray Rice fiasco. But for me, you know, I put that aside. I think best case scenario, it, they reduce it by one game. I don't see them dismissing it. And I'm not even positive they'll dismiss it by one. But that being said, I honestly still think that I would, I would take him in the second round. If he drops him out of the first round for me, I'll get a solid player there that I know that, you know, is going to perform. We, we, we get that in the, in, in the first round. And then I take him in the second and trust that I'll be able to plug the holes until he comes back. And then you've got him for the rest of the season. You've got a fresh Elliot. You've got a angry Elliot. And you've got that Dallas offensive line. He hasn't gotten past me in the second round in drafts, and I don't believe I have any offensive drafts left. i got a couple IDP-only ones this weekend. If I did have drafts left, he wouldn't get past me there either because I agree with you. I, I think the only way that this doesn't end with the Cowboys trying to seek relief in the court and get an injunction that will allow Ezekiel Elliott to play, yada, yada, just like we saw with the Flake Gate and Star Caps, and you can rattle off quote-unquote, scandals going back probably 10 years. And they all kind of follow the same path. Unless they drop that suspension to, say, two, maybe three games, which I don't think they will, the Cowboys are going to try to fight this in court. And if they can get that injunction, which is an if, it's by Mm -hmm. no means a certainty, then we can see Elliott play out the entire 2017 season while this thing drags out the same way that Brady's suspension did with the slate gate. So... I've been working under the assumption in drafts that he was going to sit for four when I drafted him, that I was going to be without Ezekiel Elliott for four weeks. So whether it's grabbing Darren McFadden as a handcuff or grabbing other running backs to kind of plug the hole, and to be honest, I don't know that he will be out four weeks. It's it's essentially going to come down, in my mind, to whether or not they can find a judge who's willing to grant that injunction, because if they can – then it could be months, and but we could be having this same discussion a year from now, talking about how many games will Zeke Elliott sit out in the 2018 season. I mean, we've seen it happen right. before. Right. You know, and then uh, I've also seen people where they say, okay, say he gets that injunction. Now then do we have to worry about the dreaded what, – what, what did they put Adrian Peterson on, the commissioner exempt list or – whatever that seemed to be made up thing where they, they still managed to punish him while, you know, it, or would the, would the injunction not allow that? Because I'm not even sure what that rule is. Or if they didn't <laughs> just make it up know. for Adrian Peterson. I don't know. I, I've heard, That's, right, I've heard people wonder about that. So it's that being said, I took a second round. <laughs> right. He's become the giant looming question. I mean, at least with Le'Veon Bell last year, we knew. He's going to be out three games. And even then, he dropped into the second round of a lot of drafts. I got him at the end of the second round in at least one draft I can think of, and I won the championship in that league in large part because of that. I think I was one and two after those three games, and I think I lost two more the entire rest of the way. Because it's like you get an extra first-round pick once he makes it. So it's all about – 
it's all about your tolerance for risk. I mean, if you're not the type who wants to, and or you find the whole situation morally repugnant, which is your right, obviously, then just don't let somebody else worry about it. But if you want to roll the dice, the reward could be big or you could be without Because if he sits the whole six games, it's going to be seven weeks because the Cowboys have a bye. You won't have him on the field until week eight, and by then your season could already be over. Right. That's that's where I see the scenario that you, you, you've got to have faith that, like I said, in the first round I take somebody who I know is going to be playing, and but I'll still take Zeke in the, in the second round and then just, you know, and plug and play until he comes back and, and trust that I can keep my team in playoff contention because he's definitely a weapon you'll want to have when the fantasy playoffs start to happen. That's enough about offensive players. We are now going to spend about three minutes talking about team defenses because I figure we should. Well, <clears throat> Wally, yeah, if we memory serves, should. yeah, if memory serves, Mr. Sperlin is a member of the streamer community who likes to pick a defense late that has good matchups and just kind of use them until they're done and then cast them aside like the dregs that they are. I am as well. It's nothing personal against defenses like the Denver Broncos, Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, Kansas City Chiefs, add whoever you want to do to the list. It just costs too much in my mind. There's, I can be getting a wide receiver like Adam Thielen of the Vikings or I can be digging for a running back or handcuffing my first-round running back or getting value whatever which way at one of the other offensive positions. And late in the draft, I can get a Carolina Panthers who starts the year with a couple of really nice matchups against San Francisco and mm-hmm. Buffalo. I can get an Atlanta Falcons who was sneakily a top-ten fantasy defense last year, and they open the season at Chicago. The Buffalo Bills, no one is going to be kicking down the door to draft what's left of the Buffalo Bills defense, given that they've been trading away pieces for the last six weeks. But they open the season against an even mm-hmm. bigger dumpster fire, the biggest dumpster fire of them all, the corpse of the New York Jets. So you can get, and you can get these guys in the next to last round just before you grab your kicker. Because if you draft it, the only thing we're ever going to say about kickers on this show is that if you draft one before the last round, you don't deserve to win your league. So I mean, exactly. Any argument? Any argument there, Mister Sperlin, about the defenses or the kickers? Nope, nope. You, that's I am a streamer. I'm a big believer in that. And yeah, uh, you know, why draft a, a quote unquote elite defense? that you're going to play every week or that's your plan when you, know, you, you don't know are injuries going to affect it. Is it going to be the same defense from last year? We won't know early in the year, but we do know the things that you just talked about, you know, and some great streaming defenses for week one again. You know what? I like Jacksonville. You may not like, you know, that defense for the entire season, but they open up against Houston and I'm, you know, I'm not sold that uh, Savage is, is going to be able to, to move that offense. And you got Calais Campbell there. you got Barry Church there now. You know, these are guys I'm sure we'll talk about. But, yeah, I think stream is just the way to go. You know, the, uh, defenses are like our cornerbacks to me. And we'll talk about cornerbacks and IDP. But, you know what, there's always somebody out there on the waiver wire that, that has a matchup that you, you're going to be fine just plugging and playing them. And then, like I said, and you mentioned it, you know, but, uh, just move along. Throw them in the trash and, and head on to the next week. Well, there's there's just so many offenses this year that you look. And granted, if San Francisco's dress rehearsal was any indication, maybe the 49ers are not as bad as we thought. But that's before Brian Hoyer inevitably gets hurt. You've got the San Francisco 49ers, Cleveland Browns, New York Jets, the Jaguars offense. They're just Chicago. There are half a dozen teams that you look at and say, that team is going to have all kind of trouble moving the football this year. And odds are one of the defenses, there is all Scott. You ain't sold on Scott Tolzien? I can't believe that. I'm sold on the L.A. Rams in week one. (laughs) Oh, I wish Aaron Donald would sign. He's making me sad. Just pay him. That's got to happen. And and soon we hope. I mean, they've got to get that done. Yeah. And it's not bad enough they switch his positional designation to defensive end, which they should have. I'm not arguing the switch because in base sets anyway, he's playing defensive end now. Although I guess you could argue that teams play more nickel than they do base defense. And if he kicks inside in the nickel, then but anyway, that's a whole long thing for another day. 
it wasn't bad enough that we lost the top defensive tackle in fantasy football. Bar none, running away. No one was going to argue that Aaron Donald was the top tackle, at least not sober. And now he's, oh. And I've drafted him in a couple of years, and at this point, I don't, I figured he would have signed by now. I thought we were going to have a Le'Veon Bell type situation. But the problem is, Aaron Donald's fines are a fraction of what Le'Veon Bell's fines, or lost wages, I should say. The fine's going to be the same regardless, but they're not going to have to pay it anyway. They never do. Right. You know, I don't want to, I don't even know what Donald's making this year. I think it's five, six million bucks, maybe seven. You know, I don't Le'Veon Bell was going to be that. Le'Veon Bell was going to be turned down by my recollection about seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a week. That's hard money to walk away from. So that's why we expect to see him in camp on September first. Little Leary, you know, I think Le'Veon Bell owners should maybe, kind of, sort of count on possibly a bit of a slow week one while he gets his sea legs, although they are playing Cleveland, who hasn't stopped the run since the Nixon administration, so I might be full of crap. But Bell's going to be fine. No, no. And see, now we're talking, we're talking about offensive players again. I know, we got to it, but real quick on Aaron Donald, you know what his 2017 salary is? One million dollars, one point eight million dollars. That's why he's holding out. It's actually one million eight hundred two thousand and two hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah, that's, So yeah, so he's yeah he's got that rookie contract still. So yeah, I thought maybe he was right at least into the fat part of it, right? And he's what yeah, this is uh, his. This is his fourth season, right? Yep, last year he made five million, five point six. So oh, he got this year. No, 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 fully guaranteed, including a five point six two million signing bonus. He signed a four year ten oh. million, but for two thousand seventeen, I'm looking on Roto World right now. One point, yeah, one point eight million. So, so you're talking a hundred grand a week, give or take. Yeah, right. And then next year he would have been playing. Now next year he would be paid significantly more because I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the Rams already picked up the fifth year option on Aaron Donald. I don't have the information right in front of me, but I'm going to go ahead and make a leap of faith and say yeah. that the Rams picked up that fifth year option, which that pays better, but it still doesn't pay mm-hmm. anywhere near what market value is for a player of his caliber. So I know they're afraid of setting precedents or what, but this is not. This is a precedent breaking young, dominant, defensive player of the year caliber monstrosity of a three technique. You just got to sign. Write the check, man. Right. And the Rams you need, you know, they, they need their players on the field. You know, they didn't exactly debut as a powerhouse in Los Angeles you know, last year. And so now you're going to head into this season and arguably your best young player you know, sorry, I don't want to, we won't go back to offense because, you know, Todd Gurley played like the rest of the team last year. But this is one of your best young players, and you're going to go into your second year in L.A. where, you know, we, we know fan bases can turn or not turn up in a hurry out there. So you want your best players on the field. And I'm sure this is something his agent's probably saying as well, but you don't want that look that he ends up holding out into the regular season or for the regular season. So get it done, Rams. Oh, hey, who would have thought that the Chargers and Bosa would have had that protracted holdout a year ago over stupid offset language? These teams sometimes, I'm like, I don't even understand. Apparently it doesn't take a whole lot of intelligence to be an NFL general manager. That's all I'm going to say. I'm pretty sure Wally and I, I'm pretty sure if Wally and I took over the Lions tomorrow, we wouldn't do any worse. Probably not. Although I do have some faith in Quinn, but we won't go there just because he came from New England. Right. I don't know how much faith having our defense you know, things, but but yeah. But in general, like I said this this one this is a lose lose for the Rams if they don't if they don't get this deal done. But okay, since we're talking Lions, since we're talking Lions, you're the Lions guy. This is a good question to start off our look at the defensive linemen this year, coming off an incredibly depressing 2016 season. I was optimistic that my boy Ziggy was going to bounce back in 2017 healthy, ankle better, going to get back to 2015 form available at a very nice asking price for IDP owners. 
Yet here we are, what, 10 days from the Lions' first game, and still no Ziggy, although Quinn is swearing up down, don't worry, don't worry, he'll be out there week one. What is up with Ezekiel Anso, Wally? Well, pretty much what you just touched on, and they were just talking about that today on local sports radio. Obviously, I, you know, I live in the Detroit area, and our, our local beat guy of our you know, local sports station said, it, I mean, that's the plan. They just wanted him after last year. Yeah, it was lost. To, you suffer a high ankle sprain in the first week. Seriously, your season's pretty much done, especially as a defensive end who needs to you know, come off the edge with explosiveness or at least some quickness. And, you know, and he played, I believe, I don't think he just ended up playing around 13 games or so. But, I mean, he yeah, was nowhere near himself. So, I think, yeah, I think they're erring on the way on the side of caution just to make sure he's ready. But that's the report that uh, I believe they said, you know, he could play in tomorrow night's game, but why risk it? You know, he, he's taking reps at practice. They just want him 100%. You know, I, I think the more, you know, for week one, and we'll see if anybody's 100%. But I think the more concerning thing is is that with the loss of Kerry Hyder, it's there's nothing uh, playing opposite Ziggy to draw any kind of attention. So, you know, a guy would know, you know, he didn't play at all in the preseason. So, you know, temper our expectations that he'll come flying out of the gate. But then also, they don't really have much to worry about on the other side of the line. Uh, Cornelius Washington, I think he had the two sacks a year ago. Uh, not exactly going to instill fear. Um, that's why I was surprised they, they haven't kicked the tires on some of these older guys, even a Mario Williams who's fallen off the cliff or um, who's out there still. Is uh, uh, Freeney kicking Dwight around Freeney. somewhere? Yeah. Freeney's out there. I, 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 what about? I was surprised. With the Stafford deal freeing up some cap space, Sheldon Richardson. Oh, that, I, 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 I would love that. Um, so I, I'm, more, I'm more concerned with that again that, that the defense or excuse me offense is going to be able to just concentrate on you know stopping Ziggy because they're not worried about you know pressure unless the Lions are going to come up with some exotic crazy Greg Williams blitzes type deals that you know that, that could hurt Anso. But I, I you know I think in my rankings I still and maybe this is the Lions homer in me. I think in my rankings that Pro Football Focus shameless plug. Uh, I, I think I have it like <laughs> That's the only kind I think of I have it at like nine, and yeah. Oh, there'll be more I dropped him a plug. little. I dropped him a little lower than that, if only because it's something about Detroit and unspecified injury. And don't worry, he'll be fine. Sounds like DeAndre Levy, mm-hmm. and I have a panic attack. I think I have him either just inside or just outside DL one territory, so like twelve, thirteen, something like that. But I mean, he's going that much lower than that in drafts, the wall, which you're participant in along with me. I got him, I don't even know if it was inside, it might even have been outside the top 20. I mean, I'm scrolling through the defensive linemen because I banged away, shamelessly pounded away at linebackers early. And I was scrolled down through the defensive linemen and Zicky, I'm like, I had to do a double take. I couldn't believe it. But then, you know, two weeks later, and he's still not off the pup list. And I'm like, well, but I'm glad to hear that Allegedly, reportedly, according to a source familiar with the situation, the old PFT, <laughs> he's going to be fine. That's that's that's, that's, yeah, that's the reports, and I actually have your rankings here as well. You actually have them at eleven, so you still got a little bit oh, of love see, for Well, I mean, and this is one of the things we're about to talk about with defensive linemen. There's not a whole lot of depth there, so. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if there's a guy that you have any faith in whatsoever, he's going to start climbing those rankings. Who sits atop yours? You know, I've seen IDP writers, guys whose opinion I respect, who have Joey Bosa ahead of J.J. Watt. I know of at least one who thinks that this is the year that Danielle Hunter just explodes and goes ballistic, and he is the top defensive one. Are you buying into any of that, or are you still a devoted member of the Church of J.J.? Oh, it's, it's all J.J. all the time. Uh, if he's healthy, which reports seem to be that he is, you know, that he's, you know, he participated OTAs, he participated in training camp, in preseason, good to go. Now, I know we kind of heard the same things last year heading into the season, but I think he and the team both learned from that. I think he rushed back last year because he wanted to be on the field. I think this time they took it slow, or he took it slow and, and as far as in the offseason, as far as how he pushed himself. 
you know, to get back, maybe to listen to some people or brought in different people. But, no, a healthy J.J. Watt is number one all day long, um, you know, and, and, and especially with what he's doing right now from, from, the, from the hurricane and that. I, I, I couldn't move him just because of that. I'd move him up. But, no, I love, you know, Bosa and Hunter, or I have them two and three in my rankings, and I think that's where they belong. I, I, I think Bosa could be the guy that challenges him in the next few years. But, again, J.J. is still just, what, 28 years old. So but I like what I see from Bosa. But a healthy J.J. Watt, I think, is still a dominant J.J. Watt. And to me, the number one IDP, if I ever have a number one pick, which I haven't had a lot in Knox this offseason or any of the leagues I'm in, but I still go J.J. Watt number one overall. They're um, in the wall, I will confess. I had the number three pick, I think, and I passed on J.J., but that's only because the wall scoring is just so ridiculously tackle-heavy that it saps a lot of the – if it was up to me, I'd change the scoring in that league. But that league predates me, so I don't want to, you know, break a bunch of stuff. So you get an argument from me. I mean, a couple of years ago, Watt had, what, 70-something tackles and it was 17-and-a-half sacks, one defensive player of the year, and everyone said, well, you know, that was so-so year for him. I mean, even if he just goes out there and puts up 70 stops and 15 sacks, good luck mashing it, Joey Bosa. And I love Joey Bosa. I just had a Joey Bosa Ohio State jersey delivered to my house. And Daniel Hunter is a phenomenal young player, and I expect great things from him this year with the increase in snaps. But, yeah, it's J.J.'s world, and the rest of them are just living in it. Yep. How are you pursuing the – how do you look at the defensive line position? You know, how are you going after it in drafts? Are you aggressive in grabbing your linemen? Are you waiting a little bit? What's kind of your strategy this year? Yeah, I, I'm more aggressive. Uh, again, just because something you touched on earlier, and that's that, that's, it's a pretty, you know, uh, thin depth there at the, at the defensive line. So it, it, it tapers off pretty fast. I mean, the way I look at it, is I, I'm going to come out of the first two rounds with at least one defensive lineman. And if I can, I want to come out of the first five rounds with two. And, and everybody else will be linebackers, but I'd like the depth at linebacker so much more that if I can come out, you know, and, and hopefully most people just go linebacker because that's what you hear most of the time, and maybe on podcasts such as this or, or other ones, you know, that linebackers are the running backs of IDP or whatever, but you don't get how thin it can become on the defensive line. So, like I said, I like to come out of the first five rounds with two. You know, and again, this is – and it, it's how much faith you have in yourself and how much research you're going to put into it. And how much into it. I, I have faith that I'll be able to find quality linebackers later in the draft. And uh, we'll talk about DBs. I, I generally wait on them. But I want – I mean, defensive line to me is where it's at. You know, again, depending, depending on your scoring system. But, again, I, I, I go early and often on them if I can. I couldn't agree with you more, and you touched on just about everything. Yes, some of it's going to depend on what your league scoring looks like, but there's I 18 maybe guys that I have any real faith in as week, every week starters, and I want two of those guys. And if you're in a 12-team league and you're starting two every week, 12 times two is more than 18, at least by my math. So, I mean, if I can get two top 15 defensive line, I feel like I'm giving myself an advantage at that position, and like you said, there's just more depth at linebacker. There are guys that you can go after a little bit later and who I expect good things from this year. So I couldn't agree with you more, folks. If either one of us know what we're talking about, you want to be aggressive and you want to attack the defensive line position this year. Don't react. Act. Force the action. Everyone else might look at you a little funny, but you know what? We'll see who's looking funny at the end of the year. Let's say right. things don't work out as planned. You don't get those two defensive linemen that you were looking for. Give me a guy that you think is pretty significantly undervalued this year. I think it's someone who we all clamored for for years. Although I, I say undervalued, um, I think I have him in the teams in my rankings, or you probably have him in the teams in your rankings, but I think it's somebody that gets fed I think Brandon Graham, now that he finally got the, the defensive end, designation and he's in the wide nine with Jim Schwartz. You know, he had a really nice season last year. He's somebody that I think, you know, because for so many years he just kind of lost in limbo, maybe as an outside 
Linebacker, hey, I just see that I'm just going to throw this in there before we talk about it. Vontez Burfecht suspension reduced from five to three games. Back to my undervalued, but I just try to keep it current. That's, 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 that's what we do at Pro Football Focus, Gary. I figured, I figured they'd drop that. I'm, I'm not even yeah. – honestly, I think he was suspended more for his reputation than for anything he did. I don't even know if that was an illegal hit. I watched that hit over and over again, and I'm like, it's football, man. Uh, it wasn't a, by Adam and, yeah. Right, and it wasn't a patented Vontez perfect cheap shot. Right. Cheap shot. So we'll get to him with linebackers, folks. That was one of the topics we were going to discuss with him was what to do about Vontez perfect. But anyway, Brandon Graham is a great call. I, I, I think Jerry people look at the five and a half. I'll throw out there. Like Jerry used too. Brandon Graham. People look at his five and a half sacks last year, and they're just not impressed, but he was right at the mm-hmm. top of the, toward the top of the league in pressures. And a lot of times if you have a guy who's at who's annually pressuring the quarterback as much as Brandon Graham does, sooner or later those near misses turn into sacks. It's D L one upside you can get as a DL two. I couldn't uh, Jerry Hughes is another guy with DL you can get as a DL two with D L one upside. Cameron Hayward, yep. I think everyone is sleeping on this year, and he's not a guy that's got, you know, 12, 14 sack upside. That's not the kind of player he is. He's, a, I guess, a one way to come would be to say he's a poor man's Calais Campbell. But he's got that high floor that sometimes I like with my second lineman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a high t- – he produces steady tackle numbers. And I'm getting him as my third, and a lot of times once I get those two starters, I like I'll wait a while before I worry about my third defensive lineman. If I can come back and get Cam Hayward, and I've got him as a depth or a guy that I can plug in when one of my starters is on a bye, oh, please, yes. I mean, I know there, there's some flip side of that coin though, and I, there are a few guys that spring to mind for me. So, but I want to see what you think. Who's the guy that you think's being overvalued this year, besides all the rookies? Oh, yeah, all the rookies that we buy, it's all, all we've been hearing is how great they were and what they produced. And now they're in, the, you know, in college and now the NFL, yeah. But let's put all the rookies there. But for me, this is a tough one for overvalued defensive line because when we talk about, you know, the lack of depth or whatever. So I, I'm like, well, I want to think of a couple things here. And this one will be a bit surprising, but we'll see. But one that I think could be is uh, Everson Griffin of Minnesota. And we talked about Daniel Hunter and what we expect from him. And he started to step it up last year, and he's going to get more snaps. And, and, and just look at Griffin, who I like. I believe I have him in my top ten still. So, again, you know, this is kind of with that caveat that this is – I have him at ten, and I think you have him at six or so. But, I mean, just if you look, what was it? In 2015, he had ten sacks. Uh, 2016, it dropped to eight sacks. I think it was 12. He had in 14. So, his sack total is going down a little bit. But, again, to me, this is a tough one to call because I still like him. And But I think, it, 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 like I said, as top ten, who knows, if Hunter produces the way I think he will, where there will be enough left for for Griffin and another guy. And we'll see. He had an off season uh, last year, and maybe he'll step it back up this time. But uh, I'm not real high on Muhammad Wilkerson. Now, I'd be interested more to see who you said, because I struggled with this one, because like I said, I like, well, I like, I, I want to get most of these, you know, DL1 type guys early, you know, first five rounds, and so find an overvalued, uh, I, you know, maybe I didn't go deep enough to look, but who are some of the names you're talking about? I'd be interested. I've got Momo ranked right around Bansa, I think. There's another guy that I'm inclined to just kind of call 2016 a wash, because he's just, I would hope that he's – I mean, we saw so much more out of Momo before last year that I think he can bounce back. I hate to say it about Aaron Donald, that I mean, and this was even before the holdout. He's being drafted as a top-five guy with the move to the 3-4. I mean, when he was a tackle, it was a little bit different, especially if you were in a tackle-required league because he had that added value. I just – there are guys that I would – I mean, I've seen him go ahead of a Daniel Hunter or a Joey Bosa, and I love Aaron Donald as an NFL player. I just don't know that the production's going to be there. <clears throat> I've seen Noah Spence go in the top 15 of a few drafts, and I love his athleticism and his upside for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
But that's a crowded rotation. I mean, unless he comes out of the gate like gangbusters and essentially forces his way in with a huge snap count, I think the Buccaneers are a team that's going to be inclined to rotate those linemen because they have mm-hmm. so many ends at this point to keep those guys fresh. It's great for them when it comes to winning football team, football games. But I don't know that it really helps IDP owners. I agree with you, though. Over, to call a defensive lineman overvalued is probably the hardest position to do so, if only because there just aren't that many out there. And, I mean, any guy that you think has a snowball chance and you know what of finishing in the top 20 is worth a roster spot because you're going to need depth. There are going to be injuries. And it's far and away the shallowest IDP position. Got a deep sleeper for me, a guy that is totally not being drafted as a starter who might even be a little bit off the radar that you look at and think could have a good year? Well, I think someone along the line, it's funny, I just want to touch on this real quick so we can move along and get to other positions, but I actually had no offense down as a sleeper for me, but again, there's been so much hype through training camp. Now, Joe McCoy saying he expects a breakout year, Robert Ayers saying he could be a 15-plus that guy. I think people are buying into that, so... Apparently he's not a sleeper if you're seeing him going in the top 15 that much. But somebody, I think, that's not being drafted as a starter who has a chance, and again, it's on a team thin with uh, pass rushing possibilities, Trey Flowers uh, out of New England. I mean, I, who else do they have? I think they're going to try to cobble together, maybe using Shea McClellan in a weird, you know, in, in a pass rushing role, maybe even Van Noy. Ninkovich is retired. They just released Ely. So I, I, it, it, Trey Flowers in New England, and then who else? No argument. I can't argue that at all. Emmanuel Agba is maybe a bit of a homer pick from a Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. skippy. But I think Agba's going to have more sacks this year than Miles Garrett. I honestly did. He quietly had a very nice little rookie season last year. And I, he's back where he ought to be as a 4-3 strong side defensive end. You know, Greg Williams is going to be aggressive as a defensive coordinator. And Agba's coming off. I mean, you get him as a DL4. And a lot of it is it's not going to be hard for him to live up to that asking price. It's not going to be hard for him to exceed it significantly. Those are the kind of – if you can get that kind of guy as depth, mm-hmm. and heaven forbid an injury does strike you because if you don't have depth and you're in a league where you got to start a couple, well, all it takes is one guy to go down and your season can be torched, says an ANSA owner last year who learned the hard way. Okay, if you're in a league, if you're in a league that requires defensive tackles, how are you looking at that position this year? Especially with now Aaron Donald classified, at least at my fantasy league, as a defensive end. I know, I, you know, having lost him, I, I think you, you kind of go to some of the old tried and trues. Um, you, you've got your Linville Josephs, you got your Geno Atkins, uh, you know, guys that have reduced for you. But yeah, losing. Uh, Obviously, you know, losing Donald is a big blow to that position. But I will throw this out there. One guy that I'm, I'm high on, and this is my homer thing, because he's looked awesome in the preseason. And actually, if you watched him last year, Ashawn Robinson of the Lions, he's been very disruptive on the interior. And, again, we've spoken about their edge rushing. That's a little bit iffy. But you know, he, he's been, you know, uh, not so much against New England, but that we're just not even going to talk about that game because it makes me depressed. But in the first two games, he was constantly around the quarterback, and he's constantly batting down passes, which we like, you know, if we can get those. So, you know, that's it for me. You know, defensive tackle required leagues, first of all, they make me rub my temples because we talk about the defensive line being depleted. You know, there's not even as, as much there. You know, again, you can go with your Gerald McCoys, but, to me, uh, my tidbit of information is Ashawn Robinson has looked very, very good. And guess where you can get him at, Gary? Position of value. There it is. You know I had to bring it. Oh, I would have been disappointed if you hadn't, sir. <laughs> I'd have been heartbroken. Okay, I don't think anyone's going to argue that linebackers are the bread and butter of your IDP lineup. Those are the guys that they're – but at least until the last couple of years when a defensive back come out of nowhere with Rashad Jones and Landon Collins to be the top. Normally, the top ten scoring IDPs overall, the majority are going to be linebackers. They're your steadiest scorers. Kind of a two- or three-man, I've even seen a, maybe a, even a four-man race to be the number one fantasy linebacker. 
2017. Who's your guy? My guy is Quan Quan Alexander, Tampa Bay. I've got him one. I've got Ogletree two, and I have Keekley three. And you just look at the season that Alexander had last year. But then again, most people want to know why isn't it Keekley? Because I know a lot of people are Keekley. And to me, I'll just speak more to that. You know, uh, it's the concussion, the injuries that were in with Keekley. I know he's out there playing, and I am no expert on this, but. From what I understand, it gets easier and easier to uh, suffer a concussion, you know, once you've had them. And I can't get him being carted off the field last year out of my mind. So I wish the best for him, and I hope he plays well. But I won't take him number one overall. I'm going to make sure I have somebody that doesn't have that red flag on them. I can't really argue it. I think Keekley, for me, Keekley and Quan are just, it's 1A, 1B. I have Keekley ranked number one. I know maybe it's just the eternal optimist in me. Plus, he was the top scoring fantasy linebacker last year on a points per game basis. But mm-hmm. I can't argue people who shy away. Who, the concussion thing is a big enough concern that they want to shy away and go for a Quan Alexander <clears throat> or an Alec Ogletree. Or you could throw Bobby Wagner into the mix, especially if he could juice his solo numbers a little bit. He had 821 tackles last year for the Seahawks. So, And it, that just goes to show there are four guys vying for that number one spot. It just goes to show that there is a little bit better depth at the linebacker position this year than on the defensive front. However, we also have some unsettled situations. Oh, yeah. At the linebacker, at a number of teams, which is kind of muddy the waters, especially if you want, if you're looking for that value later in drafts. If you're looking to flesh out your maybe your depth at the position with some guys that you can get late because you hit the defensive line earlier. Maybe you're even looking for that flex starter from a team. So I'm just going to rattle off the team, and you give me the guys, say the top, the two guys that you expect to have the most value because odds are that's all there's going to be to, Unless your league's sack heavy and the pass rush guy gets in there. First one's pretty easy because I think it's probably become the most settled of the bunch, the Washington Redskins. Yeah, we got there. Uh, probably Foster and I think Thompson's still kicking around. Or no, no, Zach Brown. Right? Is that where he's at now? Yeah, it's Zach Brown. Yeah, Foster I think, and Brown. Yeah, Thompson, I, Thompson's to the side, but I, I like Brown and probably Foster. I think they settled on Brown and Foster. They've tinkered with all three comps they've had. I've seen Brown Foster start. I've seen Brown Compton start. And early in the preseason, I saw Compton Foster, which was the combination they had last year. Right now, they've got the green dot. Foster's wearing it, I think, because he has a little more experience in the scheme. Brown, I think, is the safest bet of the bunch. I can't imagine that they're going to pull him out of the lineup. He's probably the most athletic linebacker they have inside and that athleticism or lack thereof is what got <clears throat> Will Compton the hook. You know, he was a defensive play caller last year, but he's a liability in coverage. So I, if Foster comes out and face plants, maybe they'll go back to Compton. But I think it's Brown, then Foster, then stay away. Now here the water is about to get muddy. The New Orleans thing. Oh, this is this one. Yeah, this one really throws me for a loop. I think uh, – aren't they toying with Alex – is it Anzalone or Anzalone? I don't know how you say his name, but I, I believe that, they're, that that he's moved ahead of Craig Robertson on the depth charts. And then I think, what, they got Manti Teo, but he's probably in a two-down role. So I'm going to say Anzalone and uh, I think Ellerby just returned. AJ I don't know. What was that? A.J. Klein's calling the defensive plays for them from the strong side, believe it or not. Oh, there we go. Oh, there we go. Uh, former Panther? Klein's, Klein's, yeah, Klein's wearing the green dot. Strong side in base formation. Kicking to the mic in the nickel. That second spot, the Anzalone spot. Honestly, A.J. Klein is the only one of those linebackers that I would, unless you're in a deep league. He's the only one I'm touching. I don't know that I trust a rookie to stick. He's got Craig Robertson, who's not a world beater, but he is a veteran that knows his stuff, nipping at his heels. And Teo, Teo's a two-down thumper even when he's healthy and when is Manti Teo ever healthy. Plus, if Teo goes down and they put Robertson in the middle, does he start poaching nickel snacks from Anzalone? It's just A.J. Klein. 
And Klein is maybe at the LB3, LB4 border for me. I just, I don't, the strong side and the base defense. And yeah, sort of avoid I don't the think they're going to be world beaters. Kind of the, right. Right. No, but wait, it gets worse. Oakland Raiders. Oh, no. oh, again, this one's up in the air. I was watching some of their preseason. I think they had a, they had a rookie start, and I know they, and I was high when they, on Jelani Jenkins when they signed him, but he came into the game a bit later. I thought maybe this is a guy that had a chance. I mean, obviously we like, uh, let's just say this. I'll say this with certainty. I like Khalil Mack as an outside linebacker for that team. <laughs> How smart am I now? There you go. That's, I, they had that kid, Markwell Lee, starting for a while. I think he was even wearing the dot for a little while. I think Corey James has been the most consistent first-teamer through the entirety of the preseason. But, they, you know, we saw Corey James last year start, and it got abused so bad that they pulled him out. So, I mean, I guess James, but once again, unless you're in a deeper league, we've officially hit 10-foot pole territory, essentially. I mean, if you use a pick on one of these guys, know going in that by the time September talks to October, he could be riding the pine. I don't have any faith in any of them, really. And there may still be a team that's worse. The Indianapolis Colts, which sucks because there's there's going to be tackle opportunities there, and we have no earthly idea who's going to get them. I'm I'm going to just throw out two names that you know because obviously uh, DQ Jackson's gone, so I'm going to go ahead and say Edwin Jackson and Antonio Morrison, and I may be swinging and missing big time there, but I, I, to, to me from you know I got to see him play the Lions again. That was the first preseason game. Take what you will from that. But they were out there. Um, uh, that's 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 the two names that jump to mind when you when you when you say the Colts. But again, it's it's muddy. It's right. It's been all over. The, and heading into the preseason or heading into training camp, if you ask ten IDP slappies what's the best inside linebacker to own for the Colts, seven probably would have said Sean Spence. He's officially fallen off the face of the earth. Morrison, it looks like. It looks like Morrison's going to start and play sub-packages. I think Edwin Jackson is going to wind up starting. I don't know that it's going to be at the start of the season because of a name that I can't believe I have to say again in an IDP show because I thought we'd already had this conversation and come to the understanding that he looks great on the plastic practice field and then gets in games and just runs around like a chicken with his head cut off. John Bostick. Oh, honestly, Bostic. Yes, Bostic. They're talking about starting Bostic. I didn't. He, I, I, this this makes me sound bad, but I think he didn't he have a cup of coffee here in Detroit on his bouncing around tour. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. I believe he's on his fourth team. It was a special teams coffee, I think. But oh, I know. Yep, I do remember reading. That just as a Colts fan, that just makes me. Shudder, you know that you know Andrew Luck not playing, but but this makes me shudder as well. I I can't. I mean Morrison is playing better than he did as a rookie, but he's not really necessarily the kind of inside linebacker you want in today's NFL, and that his athleticism might be a little limited. And they're just a mess at inside linebackers right now. And that's that team is looking that boat is looking rickety, and it hasn't even left the port yet. So it might not be a great year for Colts fans. Give me an undervalued linebacker in fantasy draft this year, Mr. Sperling. So I, a few that I jotted down, and even though, again, I think some of them are in my team, so I think they have thought that Jarrell Freeman. I think he's going to rack up tackles oh, in Chicago. Absolutely. And then Cleveland, uh, your boy Christian Kirksey. Uh, he put up top ten numbers last year. I have him in the teams, but, man, he put up some eye-popping numbers, and he continued to do it even after they you know, brought on board Jamie Collins. So, I, I think kind of unexpectedly for me at least, and I think they signed into a nice big extension. So I, that's a couple of names that jumped to mind for me. Darren Lee in New York is only because oh, yeah. somebody's going to have to make tackles for that team, and they're going. The defense is going to be on the field a lot. I mean, even I can't believe I've actually considered drafting Demario Davis again in fantasy leagues, which is another one of those things I never thought I was going to have to do again. So it made me a little physically ill. Nick Vigil in Cincinnati seems to have moved into an every down role coming into his second NFL season, and I think he could get 
even that much more of a boost over the first three weeks of the season with Vontez perfect out. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have an opportunity over those three weeks to really lock down that three-down role. Because he's playing strong. I think he's playing Sam in the base. And I think he was kind of vying with Vinny Ray to be that second nickel linebacker. You know, maybe it would be perfect Ray, maybe it would be perfect Vigil. Well, it's going to be Ray Vigil, it looks like, for at least three weeks. So it's going to give him an opportunity to show what he can do. So I, he's a guy. And in Los Angeles with the Chargers, it pleases me to be able to say his name again. With Denzel Perriman potentially out about half the season, how are you not going to love Corey Toomer? Oh, yeah. Yep. I had him jotted down. I think I put him down under uh, something that we'll touch on probably. But sleepers, same thing. But, you know, to me, kind of sleepers, and, again, undervalued and sleepers to me because, you know, with all the information out there these days, tough to call people sleepers. But, you know, it's a term of the industry. But, yeah, that, that, that was somebody I had jotted down there. And I had Vizzle written down, and we touched on the perfect suspension. Who benefits was on the show notes, and that's where I'd written down Vigil. But, yeah, so we're in agreement on that. Yeah, I've, I'll admit I've been impressed with what I've seen from Vigil. This, and he's not a guy that I really expected. Kevin Minner, great free agent signing for the Bengals. Well, I mean, he can't be worse than Ray Maluga, so. Even if he was just, but he's only going to play two downs. So for IDP owners, and I'm seeing him in the vast majority of drafts, mentors going ahead of Israel, and that's backwards. Yeah. Who do you think is overvalued? Uh, this is this was uh, sort of tough for me because it's a name who, if I'm right, I'm one of the people that's overvaluing him with my rankings right now. Um, might be Levante David. Uh, that last year was. Uh, either an outlier or, you know, for his tackle totals to drop like they did. And granted, I have Quan number one, so obviously I have faith in Quan still. But I just, what, he dropped down to 87 total tackles or something along those lines after averaging like in the 140s? But on the flip side, David still, he made more big plays last year than he had, had really averaged over his career. So, I have him at 11, and if, if, I, if I've overvalued, you know, I, I may be overvaluing. Maybe I'm hanging on to the past, and, and I'm thinking that it, you know it, it was an outlier season, and we're going to get the old Levante David back, but maybe they're asking him to do different things, or they're using him in a different way. But he's the first thing that came to mind with that, and then I went to check my ranks, and I said, I'm, I might be that overvaluing guy. So, I mean, he has a sack in the preseason and four solos. I, I looked that up. I think he's played 70-something snaps, but... I think, you know, I may be doing it, and others may be doing the same thing where you're just clinging to production that might not be there anymore. I don't think I have him much lower than that, and I agree with you 100%. And I think it's what the Buccaneers are asking him to do defensively. I think prior to last year, he'd never had fewer than 85 solos in the season. And last year, he had, like you said, 87 tackles total. And I just – it's awfully hard for me to write off a drop like that in a year where he wasn't hurt as an anomaly. I think it's schematic. I think they're attacking with Quan Alexander and they're much more likely to drop David back into coverage and it's just it's not doing good things for his fantasy value. And Jamie Collins, and I've got him well inside my top ten, but I can't lie and say that he doesn't make me nervous, if only because I wonder how Greg Williams is going to use him. I mean, it's not so much that he's playing the strong side because we've seen Jamie Collins put up gonzo fantasy numbers from the strong side before. Right. But I, I just I don't know about his role. That's not to say yeah. I won't draft him, but he's one of those guys where as I'm getting ready to click that mouse, I'm wondering to myself, am I about to make a mistake? <laughs> Williams is going to shake things up there. It's going to be interesting to see what he does in, in a lot of different ways and how it affects people. We, we know one thing. They're going to blitz. They're yeah. going to blitz a lot, but... Well, before we hit the defensive backs for a few minutes, I, I need to give you an opportunity to get a little Lions optimism in there because I know what a positive thinker you are where Detroit is. Tell me who the top rookie IDP, the top rookie linebacker is going to be. Go ahead. You know you want to say it. Oh, it's going to be Gerard Davis. Uh, I will <laughs> say this, however. I, 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 I'm sold on the kid. I mean, it's what I love as soon as they drafted him, they said this is our starting middle linebacker. Of course, you know, that was the writing on the wall for Levy, who's you know still filed a grievance against the team, but and they said not only that he's going to call the plays and he's picked it up, he, he's been doing just that. He's you know a three down middle linebacker. 
on a team that's likely to struggle. And I hate, you know, you know my Lions love, but that's what we like as IDP owners. So we're, we're going to get that from him. I think the main thing that concerns me now, but again, the lack of depth on this team, the Whitehead suffering an injury, although he's supposed to be okay, but boy, did the did the Patriots expose Davis in coverage last week. But that's the Patriots. It's the Patriots' number one offense. I think they threw at him three times, completed all three, uh, one for a touchdown. He gave him 50-something yards. But what I like about the kid is he talked about it and just said he owned. He appreciated the learning experience. He's going to learn from it. And he's been picking Whitehead's brain every day at practice. You know, how can I get better? You know, what do I need to do? I just like this kid. And, again, I like him, you know, on, on a defense that is probably going to be on the field quite a bit. The Lions don't have the easiest of schedules. So, I, I think he's, he's far and away got the chance to be the, uh, the you know, the top you know, rookie uh, linebacker if, or you know, IDP guy. If Whitehead misses, I mean, I don't think he's supposed to miss substantial time. You might be able to update me a little bit on that. Who do you think the Lions will roll out there in his spot if Whitehead isn't ready to go week one? Well, they've been obviously using different people. They've been talking. They might move. I believe Antoine Williams over there, although you know he's kind of been just running on the on the uh, on the strong side. Uh, this, this Cameron Maven Reeves, they've they've also been um, been using their uh, Warlow. Obviously, they you know they signed <laughs> Warlow when they first signed. Well, I know I know hey, for IDP versus though the the James Anderson yeah. effect. But watching uh, him make it, him tackle could, six yards downfield. That's it. It's a tackle though, and, and we'll take it. So, but the, the the latest on Whitehead anyway, he said that he thinks he'll be good to go. But again, oh you know, well, players, that would. Players can tend that to, certain, you know, right. no, I'm fine. overestimate when they'll be back. But, you know, like I said, Warlow, know Whitehead, he's, or go ahead. Whitehead's a guy, that's another guy that you can get fairly late. If he's able to get out there in week one, that you can get pretty late who, I mean, he's not going to win weeks for you, but he's a guy you can put out there in that third or fourth linebacker spot and, the end of the day, when you look at it, you won't be like, "Man, what happened?" Yeah, yeah, that's that's it, and and, and hopefully he's he's you know on track with his self diagnosis <laughs> that, that he believes that he'll be ready to go. I mean, obviously he will not play tomorrow, which gives him time to get ready for Week One. But they'll they'll need him out there. This defense needs all the help it can get. But I do love Dave. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have depth before they started getting banged up with injuries, you know, the Hyder and Whitehead. Rough. Yeah. Well, we're running a little short on time. I don't think we really need to discuss defensive back strategy a whole lot into that both of us are generally the wait-for-them type. Landon Collins, Rashad Jones, great players. I just don't want to pay retail for them at a position that's ridiculously deep when I can get guys much later. So, Wally, give me some of uh, Call them undervalued, call them sleepers, call them whatever you want. Give me some defensive backs that you're targeting this year. Oh, I'm targeting uh, Old Man River, Antoine Bethay in Arizona now. We know how they like to use their safeties. Uh, you know, he steps into you know a role where there's going to be a ton of tackle opportunities. And one thing he does, you know, even at his advanced age, he gets tackled. I love Eric Reed, San Francisco. He's finally going to be playing strong safety, which is what he's built to play. But, you know, he's been playing. They've kind of freelanced him around the last couple of years. More free safety than strong. He's the strong safety like him. And, you know, with um, Barry Church leaving, I, I like, you know, although well, there's uh, Jeff Heath. I think he's a, he may, maybe even maybe a sleeper. But I love Byron Jones in Dallas. I can't argue with any. I'm a big Reed guy this year, too. I've been trying to get as many shares of him as I can moving in that Cam Chancellor role. I would add Micah Hyde, Buffalo Bills, to that list. Mm-hmm. To play strong, and the strong safety for the Bills. Coaches and front offices and defensive schemes have come and gone in Western New York. There have been two constants. One, they don't make the playoffs. <laughs> okay, three constants. One, they don't make the playoffs. Two, their scorekeepers hand out tackles like they're lollipops. And three, that strong safety, whoever it may be, puts up numbers. So he's and Keith Tandy in Tampa Bay, who has managed to hold on, so far as I know, 
to a starting job for the Buccaneers, and down the stretch last year, he was very quietly very good. Sean Davis in Pittsburgh, too, is a guy you can get later than you ought to be able to. He's a guy I think could crack the top ten this year that you can draft. Guys like Davis and Eric Reed and Micah Hyde, all going to be available mid, maybe low-end DB, maybe even outside the top 25. And other guys are going to have DB1 upside, which is why you wait at defensive back and you load up those linebackers and you attack the defensive line. You want to get your front seven squared away. The exactly. defensive backs, exactly. you can figure that out later. And while he tell the good people what they should do if they're in a league that requires cornerbacks. And corner, they're probably oh, you, know you go ahead and target some rookies. We go with the rookie corner rule. And wait, you target everybody late. That was my first thing. Cornerback required tips, wait. Again, they are the disposable pet, a.k.a. the hamster of IDP football. When that, when that one's done, you know what? You just grab another one. You want to give it the same name? Go ahead. That's kind of what you do with cornerbacks. You just And, and you look for matchups. And, again, you, you get some rookies if you can. Um, and if they don't work out that week, which they probably will, then the next week, guess what? You throw them away. Maybe you get some that can put up decent tackle numbers. You got your Logan Ryan who moved to Tennessee from, from New England. I, I, I sneakily like Tyvon Branch. Again, he's listed a cornerback in Arizona, but he's always been able to you know, help and run support. So he's somebody, as long as he stays healthy, big caveat there. But the, the biggest tip, wait, wait. They're the kickers of IDP. Ooh, that's mean. It's true, but it's mean. It's Target whoever's playing the teams in the NFC South. I mean, if they're going up against the Falcons or Tampa Bay where Jameis Winston likes to throw interceptions or New Orleans where you can feed me that they're going to run a more balanced offense crap all you want. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Or Bortles. You're going to get whoever's playing Bortles. <laughs> Poor Blake, man. God, he's awful. He really is. He's so good for streaming defenses, though, if I can swing it back around to the beginning. That would be my number one streaming defense advice, whoever's playing Jacksonville. I don't even know if uh, Bortles is, will even be the king of garbage time this year. I think Brian Hoyer in San Francisco might outdo him. It's one of the reasons I kind of like Pierre Garçon this year. I, I see Garçon, and the, there's a flashing sign above his head that says garbage time. Garbage time, garbage time. That, that could be very true. Although... In their defense, against Minnesota in the dress rehearsal, the 49ers looked pretty good. Reuben Foster, I did. I had Foster ranked several spots below Gerard Davis, and I may have changed my mind a bit in that regard. I mean, I've still got, I believe I still have Davis as my number one rookie linebacker, but I think I've got Foster literally the slot right behind him because he has looked really good in the preseason and there's no question at this point that he's going to play every down because Malcolm Smith got a big fat contract and then got hurt. That's right. And just, it's for him, it's just keep your head on straight. My biggest worry about Foster is just that he's had shoulder issues, you know, and with linebackers, right. that's, yeah, that's something you don't like to see, but I, I, are you have him at 20 right now in your rankings? Let's see. I bet I'm have I have him lower than that, but Still, he's somebody that can, yeah. Uh, he he has looked he has looked very well, and you you've got Bowman playing on a patch you know, patchwork put together body. So there's good opportunities are. As an IDP guy, it's unfortunate what's happened to Navarro Bowman. You hate to see a guy's career be completely derailed because of injuries, but that seems to be where we're headed with Navarro, and that's a shame, man. He was a heck of a player. I was a beast when healthy. <clears throat> and people wonder why Patrick Willis walked away from the game when he did. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be walking around on a patchwork body, and he's not. Neither is Chris Borland, but, for that matter. You know, I was going to say, that's right, yeah. And uh, Hey, kudos to Bowman for still getting out there and coming back. I know there are reports, you know, he you know, looks slow or whatever, but yeah. We'll see. Let's, let's not. Uh, we won't write him off just yet. But he's another guy that you know, I got no, flagged by. Yeah. He'll I give what he's got. I can't believe they're, they're talk, The Bears are talking about starting Danny Trevathan week one. 
That's unbelievable. If he can make it back on the field and be anywhere close to 100 that soon after tearing a patellar tendon. Right. Yeah. Man, that's, again, that's the Russian people back thing that, that you know concerns me with this. I said, which I think really affected J.J. Watt last year. Right. Yeah, I don't know that it's a great idea. I mean, Kwiatkowski's okay. I mean, it's not. And what are the Bears? Why are you rushing him back for? What are you playing? What are the Bears playing for? That's like, why are they starting Mike Glennon? What is the point of that exercise, other than to try and get back some of the eighteen and a half million dollars you set on fire? There right. is no right. conceivable way that you can look at how he's played and how Trubisky has played, because to his credit, Mitch Trubisky has played light years better than I thought he would be early. How do you look at those two quarterbacks and say, nope, we're going to start Glenn in week one because that's what we were going to do before? As a Lions fan, maybe John Fox. Maybe John Fox just wants to get fired. He's like, you know what? This is just the easiest way for me to get out of here because (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Well, that could be it. Time flies, Mr. Sperlin. We've already gone over our allotted hour, but before I wrap things up, I've got to let you got to let you plug, got to let you tempt, got to let you talk, tell the good listeners what you're up to over at the fine site, Pro Football Focus. Well, at Pro Football Focus, I am an IDP writer there, and I will have two weekly articles, and actually it's it's interesting and I thought you might have just been channeling me here when you set up the show notes because my first article of the week is actually about streaming defenses. And I believe that's going to come out on Tuesdays during the regular season. And then on Thursdays, I'll be doing a who to start, who to sit article for IDP purposes. And I also have a podcast that I will shamelessly plug now. And it's the Pro Football Focus, the Nickel IDP podcast that I am the host of and so much like we talked about tonight, which is all IDP, except for our early news. But my co-host is someone who, whose work you're familiar with. And, again, I consider myself lucky to be working with him after having the chance and been able to work with you for the years that we have. And that's Mr. Ross Miles. So that's the Nickel IDP podcast. That's the Pro Football Focus podcast. So I'm just out there, you know, as Tiger Woods likes to say, grinding. Absolutely. Well, if you gentlemen ever need a guest, you know where to find me. I had the privilege of uh, meeting Ross in Vegas a few years ago. He's good people. Well and oh, truly. He it has he definitely is. Been an honor and a privilege as always, sir. Thank you so much for having me on and again, the the same. You you ever you never need a guest or you want to talk IDP again or you know, I can talk other things. I can just talk. You know that. <laughs> it's all about getting you to position of value, man. That's what it is. Water finds its level. <laughs> that it does. We will be back next week, folks. I think we're going to do some preseason predictions because, you know, by the time we're back here next Wednesday night, we'll be just 24 short hours away from watching the Patriots pound the Chiefs in a mud hole. So football season's almost here. One more weekend of drafts. Good luck, everyone. Good night.